Talk 1110-993 WBT, Pete Callender Show. I'm Pete. And the phone number is 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. A reminder, the president, uh, I saw earlier today, he was scheduled to be uh, making some comments. Uh, what am I going to do about this hot weather? And uh, it's, I think it's like a 2, 220, I think it's like 220. So we got a bolo. We have a silver alert for uh, for the president around 2.20. We'll see what he has to say. Uh, well, I guess we'll hear what he has to say. So let me read this email that I got the other day from a fellow named Marcus, who is the former executive director of an organization called Charmec Court Watch. He says, Pete, your show content has recently hit home with me for 11 plus years. Our organization, which included hundreds of volunteers from across the county, spent thousands of hours in the courtrooms trying to create a level of transparency and accountability within our criminal justice system. Everything that we fought for to try to prevent from happening is now happening. It's a shame that people aren't more in tune with how the system works and doesn't work and how it negatively impacts their quality of life. We fought hard against the pretrial services process Bond amounts being lowered, unsecured bonds, raise the age bill, which was never passed by the House and Senate, but added as a budgetary item instead. Uh, The former sheriff, Erwin Carmichael, put me through the 287G process so that I would effectively be able to argue my support of the program. We fought very hard to try and prevent these issues from coming to our state and county. But as you well know, we were unsuccessful in preventing any of them from getting worse. However, your show recently has put a spotlight on almost every issue we tried to address. I want to thank you for that. My wife and I recently moved out of Mecklenburg County for a better life. I was a 52-year native and decided we'd had enough. COVID killed our organization, but after 11 years of education and involvement, it's hard to unplug and not use the knowledge we gained to continue to make a difference. I appreciate your show and all of its content. Thanks for shedding a light on the important issues. Uh, I appreciate the uh, the email, Marcus, and uh, I'll send him a uh, uh, I'll send him a response on the email as well. But I I meant to read that the other day, and then I didn't, and so uh, I'm glad I remembered now because otherwise I would have gone another full day and not have read it. And I would, I kept forgetting to do it during the show. It's the problem when I've got all of the different means of communication open. It's like drinking from a fire hose, you know. Um, so I said also that I would pay off the the tease about the bad smell. So remember the other day when it smelled like poo all around? It was because of the uh, mercaptan, 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 that whatever. It's like the thing that they put in the gas, in natural gas to make it smell, because natural gas doesn't have a smell. And that could be very dangerous if you have a natural gas leak in your house and you can't smell it, and then you're dead, or the whole thing blows up, and then you're dead too. So um, they put this, the, this other thing, mercaptan, mercaptan, whatever, into the gas, so you smell that, and you're like, oh, my gosh, that stinks. And that smells like gas, although it doesn't actually smell like gas. But, okay, so that, that's the, right. And then there was the, the weather inversion. Somebody was cleaning out some tanks, and they released the mercaptan, and the weather pattern was this inversion. And so all of the, the, the poopy air stayed low to the ground, and everybody was like, oh, my gosh, there's a gas leak, gas leak. But there wasn't a gas leak. It just smelled like a gas leak because there was no gas. It was just the mercaptan. But people still 
oh, 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 my head. Oh, I'm getting sick. I got to go home. Right. So people were like going home. This happened at the courthouse. Tensions over the rotten egg odor that permeated much of Uptown Charlotte came to a head inside the Mecklenburg County Courthouse, where a judge threatened to hold the elected clerk of court in contempt if a murder trial was interrupted. Ames Alexander reporting at the Charlotte Observer, quote, Superior Court Judge Lisa Bell was presiding over jury selection early Thursday afternoon when she learned that officials were closing the courthouse over concern that some people within had nausea and headaches. Those are symptoms sometimes experienced by people exposed to mercaptan, the foul-smelling gas, blah, 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 blah. Bell then asked everybody in the courtroom whether they were feeling any adverse effects, and none of them said they were. Uh, Hello, defendant. What what were you thinking? You should have listened to the U.S. Attorney's Office. Think again. And you could have said, I'm getting a little woozy over here. And then maybe you would have gotten an extra day, you know, of the trial. I mean, if you wanted it. Maybe you didn't want it. Anyway, so Judge Bell asks everybody, is there anybody feeling bad, whatever. And they're in the fourth day of jury selection. Uh, In the case of Grady Alonzo Hills Sr., who was charged in the 2017 murder of a 29-year-old landscaper. And uh, here's what Bell said happened next. Around 2 p.m., Elisa Chingary, the county's clerk of court, entered the courtroom asking to send her courtroom clerk home. Well, if you send the clerk home, then that means the jury selection stops. So Bell then asks the clerk, are you okay? And he said, I'm fine. Bell then said, "Uh, okay, Elisa Chingary, clerk of court, uh, you got three options. You could let the courtroom clerk remain on the job. You could do the job yourself and send him home. Or I can hold you in contempt of court. Oh, my, that escalated quickly. Bell said it was very tense. In an email to the Observer, Chingary said that she entered the judge's courtroom to check on the safety and well-being of my employee and to offer to take the clerk's place if need be. I have no desire to comment on personal statements made by Judge Bell. Uh, tempers flare. They say, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I wasn't there, but they say it was tense. Bell says it was tense. 40 prospective jurors in the courtroom that day. None of them report, uh, reported feeling sick, according to Bell. And uh, getting the day's work done was vital, she said, because Mecklenburg's courts are weighed down by thousands of backlogged cases. The county has experienced an ongoing problem with having sufficient clerks available to keep court in session. She is retiring at year's end after eight years on the Superior Court bench. She said the defendant has been in custody since January of 2018. This decision to close the courtroom was an overreaching overreaction that has detrimentally impacted the administration of justice in Superior Court. She said she was troubled that officials on the scene made the decision to close the courts without consulting the judges who were working that day. Sometimes, folks, it is just a whizzing match. All right, News Talk 1110-993-WBT. That's Jet. 704-570-1110. And uh, 1-800-WBT-1110. Um... 
Saw this story over at fox46.com. Queen City News reporting, after a violent weekend in Charlotte, Queen City News found one industry profiting, private security. Dr. Roy Taylor, the owner of Capital Special Patrol in West Charlotte, says he has seen a 15% increase in business each year he started the private company, uh, the private security company, shortly after 9-11. This year, he says the company has increased 20%. He believes the surge can be attributed to increased violent crime in Charlotte and the country. Taylor describes his company as a supplement to typical law enforcement with nationwide staffing shortages and overworked officers. Uh, Extra help is necessary, he says. They just simply can't patrol your neighborhood and your business uh, the way that you would like. And uh, especially with this uptick in crime, it's very unnerving. Um. Which is why this story is kind of comical to me. When they're not getting arrested, Democrats want you to know that they love law enforcement. Just two years after calls to defund the police erupted in the wake of George Floyd's murder, Axios.com reports, Democrats in states like Ohio, Georgia, and Florida are spotlighting law enforcement to boost their credibility on fighting crime. (laughs) Yeah, that'll do it. The new effort to ward off Republican attacks because they're pouncing. Republicans are seizing on this. The rising crime numbers in order to paint Democrats as soft on crime. I mean, it's not anything the Democrats have done in managing any of these cities. No, no, no. Again, Democrats have been in control of the major U.S. cities for decades. This is not a Republican problem. Okay, you cannot blame Republicans for the cities burning down two years ago and the riots. You can't blame Republicans. Although I do recall, and I think Limbaugh was correct on this, that he said the uh, the reason why the left goes after the cops so much is because it's like the last division of city government that still hires Republicans. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. And it's probably true. Right? It does sound more accurate than not. So. Uh, not saying that all police are Republicans, hashtag not all police. Um, but yeah, there there is a certain type of person that's attracted to that line of work. And it's generally not the Antifa types. <laughs> uh, all right, so this is a new effort. The Democrats are uh, uh, engaging in to ward off Republican attacks. And it comes as the defund debate damaged Democrats' reputation on crime leading to party infighting and internal reflection over how to best message on police reform. Oh, well, maybe that's what Ilan Omar was doing when she was walking away without the police escort with her hands behind her back, pretending like she had been cuffed, I thought. But no, no, no. She was simply deep in thought. That's what she's doing. She's reflecting. She's contemplating how how to best message on police reform. My bad. I didn't realize That, that that would explain it. Some party strategists fear a voter perception that Democrats don't recognize the problem with violent crime and don't respect the role that police play in keeping communities safe. Yeah, that's just a voter perception, that's all. It's just perception. Oh, they're probably totally wrong about it. I don't even know why you guys need to bother with this. Seriously, I mean, just, you know, just move along. Just keep doing what you were doing. The recent spate of mass shootings in places like Buffalo, New York, and Uvalde, Texas have 
given fresh urgency to the issue, as well as a new opportunity for Dems to go on the offensive by linking rising crime rates to gun violence. There you go. You, what did I say? The beginning of the show when I started going over all of the, all of the felons that were pleading to the possession of a firearm, you know, by a prohibited person, fel- a felon, and how they're all get they're all being let loose. They, they they get to walk on supervised or unsupervised probation, right? At the same time, Democrats are quote on the offensive by linking rising crimes. Uh, rising crime rates to gun violence. Rising crime rates, they're linking to gun violence. Then why, for the love of me, are you releasing felons who obviously had guns and were charged with other crimes? Why are you letting them walk on supervised or unsupervised be, uh, probation? Somebody's not getting the memos over there at the courthouse. I'm not sure. In Georgia, Democratic gubernatorial nominee Stacey Abrams, well, that's incorrect. She's the governor, I thought. Anyway, she has released several campaign ads attacking her competitor, Republican Governor Brian Kemp, saying he makes us less safe with his dangerous concealed carry law. Yeah, that narrative took a bit of a hit when the guy in Indiana, you know, legal gun owner, shot and killed the mass shooter from, like, 40 feet or something away, 15 seconds, he took the guy down. Hit him like with eight out of the 10 shots. Good guy with a gun. Saved a lot of lives. So I'm not sure that narrative is going to take. But we'll see. Give it a shot, Democrats. We'll see. So Axios.com reporting by Alexi McCammond. Swing state Democrats embrace law enforcement to hit GOP on crime. The recent spate of mass shootings has given them an opportunity to go on the offensive by linking rising crime rates to gun violence. But pay no attention to us letting out all of the felons with the guns. That's a different kind of gun violence, don't you see? We're talking about a very specific kind of gun violence. By the way, this is where I always talk about the categories of gun violence. See, if, you, if you're trying to reduce gun deaths, it's going to take three different approaches. I've talked about this, and if you hang out with me uh, or listen to the program, you're, you're going to hear me say it at some point. What's the objective? I'm a big goals kind of guy. What, what are your goals? Have some goals, speak those goals, other people can then help you achieve them. Okay? So what's the objective? What's the goal? What's the objective? If your objective is to reduce gun deaths, you know what the largest category of gun deaths is? Suicides. Vast majority. Suicide. You know what number two is? It's uh street violence. Gang violence. Urban youth. Uh, Number three, domestic violence, usually man against woman. I'm not a biologist, so I don't know what those categories mean. But those are the three general categories, right, of gun deaths. And they account for virtually all of them. Virtually all of them. The mass shooting deaths that get all of the coverage is very, very, very tiny as a percentage of all of the deaths. It's shocking. It's like the airplane crash, but... 
There are way more people that die, you know, in car crashes. Same principle at play here. But the point here is also that each category requires a different approach to solving it. And if you're trying to reduce gun deaths, then doesn't it make sense to go after the biggest group of those gun deaths? And that would be suicide. Oh, and I just saw the Uvalde shooter. Um, It's now coming out that, like, everybody knew him. In fact, he was bullied. He was picked on. He went back to his own fourth grade class. That was his classroom that he went to because he was traumatized by the bullies and his and he said the teacher in that fourth grade class. I'm not justifying any of this, obviously. He exhibited so many symbols and signals of a potential school shooter. He literally had the nickname school shooter. That's what they called him. And nobody could figure it out. When you start looking at mass shootings as murder-suicides, the vengeance fantasy come to life, I'm going to make them pay, and now they'll know who I am, and they'll know that they messed with the wrong guy, as Bill Maher documented on his program a couple weeks back. This is like all the movies that young boys are seeing. They're all like that. Glorification of violence, celebration of criminality, the anti-hero, because nobody can be good. No, no, no. That's just sappy. That's oh, you're such a square if you're just good. No, you got to be the anti-hero. Got to be. Oh, I'm a bad guy, but I had to make the right decision, or the wrong decision for the right reason, or I had to protect my family, whatever. But no, I'm I'm sure people will forget that Democrats <clears throat> were calling for the defunding of the police. They were egging on the riots. Um. I'm sure people will will completely just forget all of that and blame Republicans because of uh, uh, the mass shootings. And they're going to say, oh, that's the reason for the, the rise in violent crime, because that's what people experience firsthand. Don't you know? Nah, it's not so much the, you know, the carjackings and the robberies and the uh, the assaults, and that sort of stuff. No, no, no. It's the mass shootings. That occur like with like less than one percent of all the shootings. Um, you got Georgia, Stacey Abrams attacking Brian Kemp over the concealed carry law. Tim Ryan, uh, Senate Democratic nominee. Uh, do, 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 do. Wait a minute, hang on. In Ohio, the Democratic nominee for Senate, yeah, Tim Ryan, he enlisted the help of a sheriff to go after Republican J.D. Vance. Tim Ryan knows defunding the police is ridiculous. And then he criticizes a proposal by J.D. Vance to eliminate ATF. Because that's totally the same thing. You stupid people that are listening to this spot don't know the difference between the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and Explosives and your local police department. They think you are idiots. Uh, Next up in Florida, Democratic Representative Val Demings. She's running against Republican Senator Marco Rubio. And I say it like that just because that's, I mean, it's culturally responsive. And by the way, I do not do that with a rolling R privilege. Although I do acknowledge I have it. I can roll the R's. Not everybody can do that. So I have the privilege. So uh, Val Deming says, when he says, I want to defund the police, I am the police, Deming says. Does that make any sense? I mean, come on. 
Rubio has been endorsed by the Florida Fraternal Order of Police. Val Demings uh, was uh, Orlando's former police chief. So she couldn't possibly be encouraging the defund the police narrative. No, 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 because she was the police. Okay. The big picture, Axio says, Democrats have broadly adopted a more moderate stance on crime since the election of President Biden, who rejected calls to defund the police throughout the 2020 campaign and made clear during his first State of the Union address that his vision of police reform includes more funding, not less. Meanwhile, in New Orleans, big story in NBC News the other day talking about how New Orleans battled mass incarceration. Then came the backlash over violent crime. (laughs) that's that's how the headline backs into it so they battled mass incarceration which means what you're battling mass incarceration which means you're not going to incarcerate as many people it's not going to be as massive right okay so you're not going to imprison as many people okay but then came the backlash over violent crime okay so there's a bit of a cart horse kind of thing going on there so it's actually you you let people out of the jails or didn't throw them in jail. You battled the mass incarceration. That then led to a rise in violent crime, or maybe it was just coincidental, but all of a sudden the violent crime rate goes up, and then comes a backlash over that. And for some reason, people have this perception that maybe these two issues are related. I'm just going to throw that out there, folks. Maybe people look at the rising violent crime rate, and they look at the reforms, and they think, hmm, Maybe that didn't work. And in fact, historically speaking, um, people came to that same conclusion about 40 years ago. And there was this huge backlash against the violent rise in violent crime. And then the, the crime rate started going down again. And now they're going back up. I guess we have to learn it all over again. Right. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Joe Biden is speaking. He's got the aviator sunglasses on. He's gripping that podium. He's looking kind of shouty, but I don't know. It may just look angry because he's like the sun is beating on him. He's squinting a little bit, but he kind of always squints. But all right, he's wearing the aviators. He's got the blue blazer. He's got a blue button down shirt on underneath it. Uh, No tie. Let's take a listen. Can we? We got any audio of it? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, We could take a listen. The... It's supposed to be about what he's going to do on the uh, 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 climate change stuff. He's going to issue some orders. But good paying jobs for 250 workers, as many workers as the old plant power plant. Oh, yeah, he's at an old plant and the port. The port here, they're going to make transmission feet deep was used to carry coal into the power plant now. We're going to use yeah. that same port to carry components of for wind power into the sea. The converter station here uh-huh. and the substation nearby are the assets that move energy across the power lines. They'll now move clean electricity generated offshore by the wind. Enough power to power hundreds of thousands of homes onto the grid, putting old assets to work, delivering clean energy. This Just didn't make sure it's accident. not off of Ted it Kennedy's because we believed and coastline. invested in America's innovation and ingenuity. Them. One of the companies investing in the factory here joined me at the White House this month. Vineyard Winds, 
Okay. CEO told me about the groundbreaking project labor. All right, all right, we're done. I thought I, I thought he would kind of come out and like say this is what I'm going to do, you know, and he didn't. So I, I don't want to hear the whole backstory on the wind company. Um, got this email though. This is from uh, Gregory. He says, Pete, I know it's the last hour. It's very short notice, but my wife gets perturbed whenever I say Ted Bud for Ted Bud. You are right. It is contagious how President Trump says it. It's been a while. Can you say it on the show today? No. I don't do requests. <laughs> oh, Ted Bud. It is. Like, once you say it, it's just it's a fun way to say his name. I don't mean anything by it. I'm not mocking the guy or anything. Or 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 Trump. I just it's a fun way. And I like doing the thing that Trump does with the when he points the finger too when he said it. Like when you watch that video, you can never not say it like that. It just it flows. Ted Bud. New York City Mayor Eric Adams. See, it doesn't flow. It d- doesn't flow. Uh, the New York City Mayor Eric Adams. He's demanding that the federal government help pay for what he said was a wave of asylum seekers pouring into his city, claiming that its safety net was being strained by busloads of people coming from border states and elsewhere. Which is weird. I thought it's a sanctuary city. What's up, New York City? You guys were a sanctuary. What, now we can't send busloads of people to your sanctuary city? What, do you know what the term sanctuary means? You realize if these people stay in racist Texas, they're going to get deported at some point, right? I mean, I think that's what happens in the red states. So as a sanctuary city, shouldn't you be taking... The people, yeah. Adams' comments echo those of Washington, D.C.'s mayor, Muriel Bowser, uh, loved her work in uh, Donkey Kong. Anyway, um, took to national TV Sunday mornings to say her city's homeless shelters were filling up because of buses being sent en masse to the city from Texas into Arizona. But as opposed to D.C., the problem in New York City is exacerbated by its, quote, right to shelter mandate, which means... Any homeless asylum seeker who comes to town by any means has to be put in a bed somewhere. Now, the offices of the Texas governor, Greg Abbott, and the Arizona governor, Doug Ducey, they both deny Adams's claim, saying in separate statements that they were, in fact, sending asylum seekers to Washington, D.C. They're not sending them to New York City. Uh-oh. So Texas and Arizona are sending the asylum seekers to unauthorized immigrants, right? They're, they're, they're sending them to D.C., not New York. But New York is saying, we're getting busloads of asylum seekers. And they apparently are claiming they came from Arizona and Texas, maybe. Maybe New York is just assuming that. Maybe they're coming from another state that we don't even know is doing this. Or maybe, maybe Washington, D.C. is busting the people up to New York. Huh? Maybe they're just like, okay, hell, we got another bus. All right, just wave them through. Wave them through. Send them all the way up there. That's fine. The Legal Aid Society is slamming New York City Mayor Adams for blaming the shelter crisis on asylum seekers, saying the real problems are bureaucracy and the lack of affordable housing. That's the reason. So they're asking for federal money. By the way, if you get a chance, Google Cloward Piven strategy. Oh, it's fascinating. 
You basically just put so many people into the system that you overload it, bankrupt it, and then you give everybody a guaranteed wage at taxpayer expense. That's the idea. We'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone. (laughs) 